You are listening to an audio broadcast from the Charlottesville Vineyard Christian Church. If any of you have been to our house, you know that we have got these huge boxwood trees in our backyard. Um, I've grown pretty fond of them. We debated about cutting them down, but we decided to keep them. Until recently, they looked like kind of one big gigantic bush. I mean, like you didn't know they were three trees because they were so overgrown. Um, that was until I got a hold of a pull saw from Jamie and Don and had a little fun. Um, I kind of, I, my, my goal after we decided that we wanted to keep them was to sort of bring them back to life, so to speak. Um, because if you looked in the inside, they were pretty dead. There's tons of branches. I mean, you wouldn't know that from the outside, but only the outside of it was really green. Um, so I spent a couple of hours pruning one day. Um, and most of you may not know this, but I love pruning. I don't know what it is. I just think I just have this fascination with pruning. I did spend a couple summers in college working as a ground crew girl for an arborist company. So I got to sort of, you know, learn, uh, you know, how, how to prune correctly. And I just spent hours, you know, on the North Shore of Chicago, these beautiful homes, like making shrubs and bushes and trees look really good. So um, I, I would say that I have some, you know, professional experience. Anyway, just kidding. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Let me show you our boxwoods here. So I don't know if you can see them, but so that's Joshua. Um, the picture kind of cuts them off, but they go a little, uh, they go to the top. So those are three individual trees and they just sort of, they're all one bush. And I don't have a picture of what the, um, after the snowstorm, but this is what, so the boxwoods are right at the bottom. Do you see that? They're like that lumped over because they were so filled with snow. That big tree in the back is like way in the back. So that's like what they look like after after the storm. Um, and here's my. <laughs> so they're sort. Of, so I mean, they look. You can see sort of they were all leaning to one side, but you know they they look a little shabby, but they'll get better. They'll get better as the sun gets in there and um and starts uh, starts new life to grow. Um, <clears throat> I share this example with you for a couple reasons. One, I just seem to always get pruning exa- or examples about life when I'm pruning or in my garden. It just happens. Um, and two, I hope it's going to help us visualize a little bit today um, the topic that we're going to talk about, which is boundaries and relationships. Boundaries help us protect what we see as important or valuable. Good boundaries can cause new life to grow in places that were dead or stagnant, just like those trees. And boundaries can help us reach our fullest potential in our relationships with God and with others. There are many different types of boundaries, just to name a few. Um, Physical boundaries, like a fence or a border, somebody puts around their property, is a physical boundary. A spiritual boundary could be, um, you know, I've chosen to only pray to God and not some statue or something or or another God um, that people might pray to. Um, Sexual, to only be intimate with my husband. Um, Emotional, walking with people in their pain and not taking their pain on as my own. Um, And there are many other boundaries. Those are just a few that I wanted to mention. Last week, Jim uh, kicked us off on this series about relationships. He entitled it, Friends You Can't Live Without Them. Um, Today is the second part in that series. Last week, Jim talked about three ways we can invest, um, invest in others for friendship. Today, I would like to take a look at our relational need for boundaries, the way Jesus operated with boundaries, and explore some ways we can, pre- we can begin putting boundaries in place uh, where and when we need them. So most of us have um, internal cues that can help us establish boundaries. For instance, if someone were to stand really close to me, like face-to-face that I had just met, 
Um, I think my internal alarm would begin to go off saying, I'm uncomfortable and can you please back up? I probably would back up, actually. Um, And just like in this physical example, our internal alarms can also go off um, when our emotional boundaries are being crossed as well. For instance, um, someone at work, this is just a, I made up an example. For instance, someone at work um, has been talking behind your friend's back, saying all sorts of things about this friend. And they keep trying to bait you in the conversation when you've made it clear that you don't want to participate in that kind of conversation. You get frustrated or feel annoyed or maybe feel stepped on. Um, Your boundary is being crossed. And in this case, your frustrations, your feeling of annoyance, or your feeling of being stepped on are cues to that, that your boundary has been crossed to what's going on. Um, and something that, that I think is important to, to remember as we go through this is that boundaries are a p- very personal thing. Um, no one can tell you what kind of boundaries that you need. They are only for you to decide um, what you need. So let's move to take to look at um, our need, our personal need for boundaries. I think... Um, and based on my own experience and, and many others that I know, that, that boundaries are absolutely essential if we're going to move towards deep and healthy relationships as friends, husbands, wives, um, parents, uh, coworkers, etc. I have been in relationships that were split apart because of a lack of boundaries, and I have had some healthy, thriving uh, relationships that have, la- that have lasted over 15 years now, in part because of good boundaries. Um, And I wanted to tell you a personal story. Many years ago, um, I had a friend who I didn't have very good emotional boundaries with. Um, And I would go as as far as to say that I had a pretty codependent friendship. And, um, you know, codependent's kind of a a buzzword out there right now. But it simply means, (laughs) Ellie, letting us know she's here. Um, Daddy gave me off the floor. Um, So codependency is kind of a buzzword out there. But it simply means, I think I have the slide for this. Oh, there's the title. Okay. So um, it simply means we allow our identity or self-worth to be dictated by another person, and we lose our personal identities in order to meet their needs. In my case, my identity was wrapped up in my friend's approval of me, her need for me, her acceptance of me. Because I needed her friendship to feel important and okay, I began to lose sight of who I was, and I started trying way too hard to meet her needs, her emotional needs. With the help of a great counselor and a few other friends um, who could see what was happening, I began to put some boundaries in place in our friendship. I stopped spending so much one-on-one time with her. I began deferring to other people um, to help meet some of her needs rather than just trying to take care of all of it myself. These boundaries and some others that I put in place um, caused some distance between us, but it really was a needed distance. After a year or so, though, um, I can happily say that because of those boundaries I put in place, we were finally able to have a friendship that looked a lot better, Um, and we're actually still in touch today. So... And just like our boxwoods, I needed to prune off in that friendship what was not producing life and put some space like it did between those trees um, between us so that God could get in there, um, just like the sunlight did with with the boxwoods. A new life could start to grow. For me, putting some boundaries in place in my life was, was really the first step um, in God healing some of the deeper issues I was facing, like a broken image of who I really was and a lack of self-worth. 
I've had to learn the hard way, perhaps like many of you, that without boundaries, unhealthy patterns and relationships can easily form. In my case with this friend, I needed to start protecting my identity and my self-worth from getting, from getting clouded and confused. Um, and as we begin to look at the benefit of having boundaries in our relationships, it's helpful for us to understand where having good boundaries comes from. Um, come from. It's, it's been my experience that when we're able to love, accept, and value ourselves as God does, failings and all, we're able to put boundaries in place and honor them even when it gets hard. We need to believe that we're worth it for this to work. Um, I met a woman a few years, a few years ago when I was counseling professionally um, who was physically, emotionally, and mentally abused growing up by her mother. I, had actually, I actually worked in um, foster care as a case manager for a couple of years, and I, had, I hadn't seen a case like this, um, even, even in my work with, with uh, kids that were in the system. Because of her experience, she developed um, a pretty distorted, broken view of her own self-image and really had no idea she was lovable or valuable because she was mentally and emotionally so beat up during childhood and actually into, into young adulthood. Um, she eventually got involved with a man who later became her husband who also abused her. In this case, her lack of self-worth, among some other things, made it really difficult um, to put protective mental, emotional, and physical boundaries in place with her husband. This is just one person out of many that I've met um, who I know could really have benefited from some healthy boundaries in their relationships. And I want to take um, just a, a look for a minute at a few benefits to having healthy boundaries. I think I have a slide for this. Benefits of boundaries. So the first... They bring freedom to be more fully ourselves. I'm just going to go through some of these. They help our relationships reach their fullest potential. They keep us from compromising what we deem as valuable or important when life gets hard, um, our relationships get hard. They can help keep us safe and protected from emotional harm, like the story I just Read. I, I really do believe, and I'm not sure where this woman is at now. She might have started putting boundaries in place or um, walked away from that relationship, and she might be uh, safer right now because of boundaries. I really do hope so. Um, and lastly, if Jesus had boundaries, they must be good. <laughs> Just pretty simple, you know. Um, and that kind of leads us into the, the next section about Jesus having relational boundaries. I would love to take a look, for the sake of time, just at a couple places in Scripture where, um, where Jesus had boundaries. And boundaries seem to be such a 21st century idea that it, kinda, it can kind of be odd to think of Jesus having relational boundaries, but he did. Um, I, and I think taking a look at the Scripture can really help us um, as we think about putting boundaries in place in our own lives. So let's look at the first Scripture kind of a lot of verbiage here, but let's, uh, let's read through it. So this is just after, um, is this, uh, yeah, Matthew 4, 1 through 10. And if you have a Bible, you can, you can read along. If not, it's up there. Um, this is just after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. So then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, which is just amazing in and of itself. Um, he was hungry. I love that. It just says he was hungry. That's kind of an understatement. Um, the tempter came to him and said, If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against stone. I love that Satan is quoting scripture. It's just interesting. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus is out in the desert fasting and praying for 40 days. And Satan comes to him to begin to tempt him in many different ways. He tempts him to turn rocks into food. He tempts him to jump off a cliff so he can be rescued by angels. And finally, he tempts Jesus with inheriting all the kingdoms of the world if only he will bow down and worship him. But Jesus, thank the Lord, um, had firm boundaries. He, his boundary was living off of his father's words in this first instance, not putting his father to the test in the second temptation, and only serving his father in the last one. These boundaries kept Jesus from compromising. His relational boundary of honoring God the Father won out despite some pretty enticing offers from the enemy. I love how Jesus is so sure of himself, his father and his own identity, that he stood up to the devil and basically told him where he could take his empty promises. Another, the second scripture, is John 5, 1 through 9. Um... Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And just a real quick bit of background. It was believed that when the water of this pool was stirred, that the first one in would be healed. So all these people in need of healing would just kind of hang out until the water got stirred. And then the first person, people would try to jump in to get their chance to get healed. Now, something that's always struck me in this story is that it says a great number of disabled people were there. Yet Jesus only heals one. We don't exactly know why he only heals one. We just know that he does. There are other moments in scripture where he does heal everyone, but this time he didn't. And what this tells me is that there were times Jesus himself didn't even meet everybody's needs. It just makes me pause when I'm faced with the opportunity to meet other people's needs. And it gives me a freedom to do what I can only do and what God may be leading me to do. Not what I think I um, need to do or feel obligated to do or maybe want to do in order to look good or please people. And I think we can say with certainty that Jesus did only what he saw his father doing. And that day at the pool, the father chose to heal only one. 
There were other times when, uh, when Jesus protected what was valuable and important to him when he had healthy boundaries. He went away up to a mountain to be alone with his father. He did this quite a bit. Um, he wanted to get away from the crowds. He took time to rest from ministry, from the demands of life and just be. He called out Peter, one of his disciples, when he was trying to convince him he didn't need to take on the burden of death, standing firm that his father's plan overruled his friend's earthly desires. Now, we've talked a lot about, so far, um, boundaries as they pertain to what's valuable and important to us. But there were times, however, in Jesus' life and ministry where he seemed to put his boundaries aside um, temporarily to meet the needs of others. I want to take a look at one scripture in Matthew. When Jesus heard what had happened, now, Jesus' good friend Lazarus had just died. So he's, he's really grieving here. And when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It's important to recognize that there will be times in our life um, where we need to set our boundaries aside temporarily to attend to something important. For example, say Bill falls to the ground and has a heart attack um, and he needs CPR. I'm going to set my physical boundary you know, of space down in order to give him CPR to save his life. So that's me setting my physical boundary side. Bill? No. But if I did, and if nobody else would do it, it'd be better than you just laying there, so I'd try it. <laughs> Maybe I should take a class, huh? I had it a long time ago. Um, okay, so Matt, Matt would put his physical boundary side and help Bill. There you go. <laughs> Or another example, so you're in the middle of working and want to get something done really quickly when one of your kids, which just happens to me all the time, um, comes to you crying and needs your attention. So you put your time boundary aside. Um, or a friend loses someone dear to them, and uh, they, need, they really just need somebody there with them. They need a friend there with them to grieve. Um, so you put your life on hold for a night or, or a day, and uh, you go meet their needs for a little while. In these examples and many others, we might need to lay down our boundaries for a time. So looking at uh, the application of how do we start putting healthy boundaries into practice, um, one thing I want to say before we get into the slide is um, it's important that we know um, and we kind of operate in a framework that they really only work if you want them to. I mean, plain and simple. If you don't want boundaries in your life, don't do it. If you would like boundaries in your life, then it's going to work, and you can work towards um, making some boundaries. So they are only yours to make and break. That's just a very important thing to remember. Um, so number one, how we start putting healthy relational boundaries into practice is starting to tune in to those emotional cues that I talked about a little earlier. Are you frustrated a lot? Do you feel like avoiding certain people all the time? Do you have a fear of people asking too much of you? and uh, maybe just make excuses or uh, avoid certain situations? Do you shut people out but later really wish you'd let them in? Do you feel obligated to constantly help others even to the point of your own exhaustion? Do you have a hard time resting and not really being productive all the time in what maybe you perceive as productive? Do you have a hard time saying no? These are all good emotional cues to pay attention to. And if you look beneath the surface in some of these places, you might see the need to put some boundaries in place. Now, some of us um, are people pleasers. We help others to the point of our own exhaustion. 
um, and maybe get too wrapped up in relationships with other people. And others of us might have uh, a lot of walls up and really need help and boundaries kind of the opposite way to really let others in emotionally. Um, if you've had a hard time recognizing some of your emotional cues, uh, ask your spouse or maybe a close friend or family member that you trust um, what they see are some of these areas that where you might need to put some boundaries in. I'm sure they will be glad to help. <laughs> As Jim and I, Jim, Jim tells me and I tell him, and, you know, it may be painful, but it's, it's good in the end. Um, second one. I would really recommend starting small with a boundary that's easy to put in place first and then work your way up if you need to. It's kind of, I mean, just sort of a, you know, if, if we were successful in something, it makes us want to keep going. So it's just kind of a simple um, life lesson. So start small with something that might be easy for you. And I didn't even think of an example because something that, you know, John might think is really easy. I might think is really hard. So it's, it's a very personal thing on what you think, what boundary you think might be easy to put in place first. Um, then number three is, uh, communicating your boundaries appropriately. And I have a really funny story. Well, it wasn't funny at the time, but it's funny now because it happened like eight years ago. Okay. So when Jim and I were first married, it drove me crazy that he could not keep track of time to save his life. Um, for those of you who know me and have been around me for a few years, you know that I'm pretty time anal, which is probably a fault on my, we're sort of like on opposite ends of the spectrum. I probably need to meet him in the middle. He might need to meet me in the middle. It's, it's been happening over 10 years. Anyway, to his credit, he's gotten a lot better. However, we were constantly late to church and it drove me crazy in other places that we would go together. And I realized it was only when we were together that I was late. You know, I was like on time or early most places. And again, this was without kids. So kids make a big, even if you're timing like me, if you have children, I just throw it all out the window. Um, one day I decided to put a boundary in place. I let him know that if he wanted us to go together to church, and you might think I'm really cruel. Um, I let him know that if he wanted us to go together to church, that I was going to leave at a quarter to 10, which honestly was just enough time to hop in the car, race to church, park, and get in our seats before the first, usually the first song was already playing. I mean, so I thought that was pretty late, you know, but I was trying to compromise a little bit. Um, I communicated clearly that if he didn't think he could be ready at the time, at that time, then I'd just meet him there. Um, I did follow through. We were trying to think about this. I, I'm pretty sure I followed through one on one of these occasions. And um, if memory serves, I think Jim realized after that that uh, time being on time was pretty important to me. Um, now, you might... huh? Yeah, Jim blocked it out. He couldn't remember, but I, I know I did it once because we had a big fight about it. Um, so you might think I'm pretty cruel for putting that in place, but for me at the time, setting that boundary was much better than us getting in a fight every stinking Sunday morning um, and constantly being frustrated because we were late. So for me, it was something that I needed to do. So had I not communicated that boundary, had I just like left and didn't communicate to him, he would have been like, I mean, that would have been horrible, right? So communicating is important. That was my point. Communicating is important. Um, and the last one. <laughs> I know. Sticking to your boundary, even when it gets hard for you, or you might want to fall back into old patterns. I think it's really important to be consistent um, because it may take some time for you and those you're in relationships to see some of the benefits of boundaries. And it's also a general rule of thumb out there. I'm not sure if you guys, I think Covey mentions it and it's all over the web. You can just Google 21 days starting a new habit and it's like everywhere on, on the web. Um, 
they, the, the experts, I guess, do say that it takes 21 days to stick to something before it kind of becomes a habit. Um, so just general rule of thumb. And then um, also, when I first started putting boundaries in place, it was it was really freeing some of the time and really painful most of the time. So when you're in pain, you kind of don't want to be in pain. So you try different things to get out of pain. That's the, you know, if, if you kind of have the 21 days mentality, it just might be a good number to, to stick in your mind to keep going, at least for that amount of time and see how it works. Um, it was hard. And at times it still, it still is hard to put boundaries in place for me. Um, at the time, you know, when I first started learning about all this stuff, um, I was trying to get out of unhealthy relational um, ways of relating, and it, it took me a while to find my identity and my self-worth in Jesus rather than in the people um, that, you know, I, I could give something to emotionally. So, oh, yeah, I wanted to mention this book. Um, this is a great book on boundaries. A lot, may, some of you may have heard it. Some of you may not have heard of it. But it really would be a great thing if you're just learning about this stuff or if you're an expert at putting boundaries in your life and you need a refresher course. It's also a really good book. Um, it just might help you kind of on as you start this journey or maybe um, help you if you've already started and just kind of give you some encouragement. I realized that everything that we've talked about today barely broke the ice. You know, and as I was doing this, um, preparing for this, I, I kept having to erase. I just put so much in there. You know, there's so much we could talk about with boundaries and relationships. And this is a huge topic because relationships encompass everything, right? Um, I really wish I had more time, but <clears throat> our relationships are and forever will be the most complicated, wonderful difficult, and amazing thing about being human. We were created to be in relationship. They encompass every area of our lives. And I hope that um, today we at least got thinking about how we can better honor ourselves and honor others in our lives by putting healthy boundaries where we need them.